APM. This is Educate, a podcast from APM Reports about ideas and research on how we teach and learn. I'm Stephen Smith. Almost three quarters of a million young people are in a special kind of limbo this election season. They are undocumented immigrants who have temporary relief from the threat of deportation, thanks to an executive order from President Obama. It is called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Some of these young people have used the opportunity to attend college. And this week on the podcast, we'll hear what it's like to live at the center of the immigration debate this election season. Here is APM Reports correspondent Sasha Eslanian. Estefania Navarro is a 22-year-old college student with her own office. All my students are here. She mentors other undocumented students at Minneapolis Community and Technical College. It's a large community college in downtown Minneapolis with a majority-minority enrollment. Perched behind her desk is a stuffed animal, a pink kitty cat with googly eyes. Yeah, I know. It seems childish, but... I mean, that's a gift for my grandma. <laughs> her grandmother hasn't seen her in many years. So sometimes she sends me things like that, like just very girly. Like. It was her grandmother who brought her all the way to Minnesota when she was three years old. The two of them crossed the desert together. I really have no recollection of that happening. But I do have a very unexplicable hate for walking in the sun. It was 1997. NAFTA had flooded Mexico with cheap American corn. Her mother's family were corn farmers and watched their income plummet. Estefania's mom found a fast food job in Minneapolis, and they joined her. Her grandmother eventually returned to Mexico. Estefania's baby brother was born the next year. He was an American citizen. Estefania memorized a response if anyone questioned her. My mom told me that if anybody asks about my status, I'm just, I'm a U.S. citizen. So I guess after saying it so many times, you actually start believing it. <laughs> Estefania worked hard through school and got good grades. When visitors from local colleges tried to get students fired up about going to college, she paid attention. We would have, like, white college girls come into our school and talk to us great wonders about McAllister, about Gustavo's. We would go on field trips. And they said, if you do your homework, (laughs) you can go to college. And um, that was the biggest lie ever because I did everything. um, And they still didn't save me from the shame of having to admit that I can't. The shame came in the fall of 2011, her senior year, when she sat down with her guidance counselor. And she said, well, you have good grades, but they're not excellent grades. You're not going to get full-ride scholarships. Um, And you could take loans, but then you need a Social Security to take out loans. Um, I don't know. Basically, that conversation just was like, I guess, my wake-up call that, Estefania, you don't belong here. She remembers she couldn't wait for the school year to end so she could leave those hallways. Still, she managed to graduate with honors. After graduation, she worked at a hardware store. One night in June of 2012, the summer after her senior year, she scrolled through old news coverage on her phone of the DREAM Act that had died in Congress. It would have given people like Navarro, who arrived in the U.S. as children, a path to citizenship. She cried herself to sleep, frustrated and angry for not doing more to help it pass. The very next day, I, um, I went to work, and uh, 
I was listening to the radio from NPR, NPR which was odd because I never do. <laughs> President Obama announced a major shift in immigration But it was tuned today. in. It protects many illegal immigrants who came to this country as children from being deported. At least uh, and I just started hearing President DACA, President Obama, and then all this commotion. This is a temporary stopgap measure that lets us focus our resources wisely while giving a degree of relief and hope to talented driven, patriotic young people. And then I get home, and my mom is like, did you hear? President Obama was frustrated that measures like the DREAM Act kept failing to make it through Congress. So he issued an executive order. It's called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA. It's not a path toward citizenship, but it allows some young people a temporary reprieve from the constant threat they'll be discovered and deported. Those who arrived before age 16 who have clean records could apply to stay in the U.S. for two years, and it would be renewable. If she applied for DACA and was accepted, Estefania Navarro could get a driver's license and apply for a work permit, and that would make it easier for her to pursue college. I remember being hesitant at first. I was very skeptical. At first, there was a lot of turmoil about what it meant to apply, and like, if you apply, maybe you're putting your, yourself out there to the government for you, for them to find you and your family. I mean, I don't care if they find me, but if they find my mom, that's a different story. In spite of her fears, Navarro applied for and received DACA the following year. She'd begun taking classes at Minneapolis Community and Technical College. She and her mom struggled to come up with the $2,000 for her tuition each semester. Undocumented students are not eligible for the help most poor students rely on to attend college, Pell Grants and federally subsidized loans. Over the past 15 years, states have wrestled with whether undocumented students should be entitled to pay in-state tuition at public universities. In 2015, the National Conference of State Legislatures tallied up 20 states that allow unauthorized immigrant students to pay in-state tuition. Five of them also offer financial assistance to these students. Six states have gone in the other direction. They either require undocumented students to pay the higher out-of-state price, or they prohibit their enrollment at all. America is conflicted about what to do with these young people, and nowhere is that more evident than the presidential campaign. Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump says he'd do away with DACA on day one. Cancel unconstitutional executive orders and enforce all immigration laws. I will renew them. I will go further if it's at all legally possible. Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton says she would do everything in her power to protect Obama's executive actions, and she'd introduce comprehensive immigration reform with a path to citizenship within her first 100 days in office. And I will make this a big political issue because we need to keep those young people working, going to school, being productive members of our society. A second executive action Obama announced in 2014 would expand eligibility for DACA and establish a new program for parents of American citizens and permanent residents. An estimated 5 million people could qualify, but it's being challenged in the courts. There's a lot of noise for Dr. J. Williams' students to tune out. 
Williams is the Chief Diversity Officer at Estefania Navarro School, Minneapolis Community and Technical College. He's also a professor of anthropology and sociology. Last year, he began piloting a scholarship program for undocumented students. He says the uncertainty over the election is definitely a distraction. There's a lot of fear, a lot of worry about, well, if this candidate or that one wins, will we actually be you know, rounded up and sent out of the country? And we don't have a crystal ball, and if that happens, it'll make things harder, but I and many others will still be here committed to serving undocumented students. Of course, Navarro can't vote in the election, but her little brother, who just turned 18, will cast his first ballot. In March, he got a close-up of Minnesota's political system. He went to his precinct caucus. And I went with him just to see what that was like. But I was also very, like, wary of signing any sheets or if anything at all. Even they were asking for, like, some volunteers. I was not going to sign that. But then Navarro did something daring. She wrote down a resolution calling for undocumented immigrants to be allowed to get driver's licenses. The chair read it. He read it, and I was just so tense. I was waiting for somebody to say something mean. It didn't come. She says the room responded positively, and that surprised her. I feel like I have to navigate those systems in defense mode all the time. And that's what it feels like this year, waiting for somebody to say Mexican or illegal, like it's a, like it's a profane word. And it's so tiring. It's just such a brutal anti-immigrant year. Um, but that night he went actually well, and my brother got to claim his political power, and I got to exert mine on a space that wasn't meant for me. Navarro says she thought about studying political science because she'd like to run for office someday. At MCTC, she was vice president of the Student Senate. This fall, she helped another undocumented student on his speech to run for secretary. Julio Martinez came to the U.S. from Puebla, Mexico when he was eight. He got accepted into the DACA program as a teenager, and that let him get an internship at Hennepin County's Office of Multicultural Services. He answered phones, translated, and helped people apply for benefits. That gave him an idea for a career. I want to work for Hennepin County. I want to be a manager. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be the chief of Hennepin County one day. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is, or, well, that is my plan A, and my plan B was to become an actor because I love acting. While the election swirls around these students, Estefania Navarro says she's trying to stay focused. She takes three classes and works 40 hours a week. 20 of those hours are spent mentoring 45 star scholars, other undocumented students at MCTC. So yeah, we're just gonna check in with y'all and see how, how you're feeling about the program so far. She's in her office like with an 18-year-old student who's also originally from Mexico. The student aspires to train teachers someday. She's already really taken college classes as a high school student. She and Navarro bond over bad jobs they've had. Here's your apron, you keep it. I'm not gonna work for you and treat me the way you want to treat me. And I'd rather come to school and get my education. The student allows me to record their meeting, but she doesn't want her name in the story. Her conversation with Navarro is warm and there's a lot of laughter, but Navarro zeroes in on something I can't hear at all. 
Because I know you don't trust me, so. No, I don't. How do you know that I don't trust you? You don't trust nobody. No, I don't. You That's really true. Don't. I don't trust no one. That's the thing. The student seems astonished by Navarro's perceptiveness. Like, it surprised her to be seen so clearly. I'm still like, how do you know that I don't trust you? Because <laughs> you don't. I can sense it. But it's okay. Navarro knows what it means to live in a guarded way. She did it for a long time. But she told me that getting her acceptance from DACA restored something in her. But yeah, there's something so liberating about claiming who you are and saying, this is my imperfect self. This is my imperfect situation, but I'm going to do something to change it. The two-year reprieves allow her to push forward and dream, but she also feels bad that she's getting a measure of security that's not available to other immigrants, people who still have to live in the shadows, people like her mother. When I got DACA, I started scheming. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for my future? And then I turn and I look at my mom and I ask her, Mommy, if you had DACA, what would you do? And I feel like she hadn't really, like, not even allow herself that option. Like, she wasn't even allowed to dream that was a possibility for her. So I kept asking her, you know, every now and then. And she was in college when she had me. So there's something about going to college that's also very, like, it's a, it's a certain type of personality, a certain type of people. Um, but so I finally got her to say that she wanted to be a translator. Her mom wanted to take some classes to learn how to be a translator. But then something happened. That's the kind of thing undocumented families dread. Her mom was driving with her little brother when a man T-boned their car. Their mom doesn't have a valid driver's license, so she also doesn't have insurance. The little brother called Navarro to ask what they should do, and she advised her mom not to call the police. My fear with the police was that they were going to ask her all the wrong questions, and they were going to blame her. It was a reflex to avoid law enforcement. Any brush with the law carries the risk of deportation. Navarro told her mother to exchange information and follow up with the other driver. This man who hit her, white, middle-aged, he decided to take advantage of the situation to get a new bumper. And so here's my mom with like a fractured wrist, can't drive her car. And this guy just decided to tell his insurance that she did it. It was a huge financial setback. Navarro sees her mom ground down by the humiliation of not being able to defend herself. Her dream of becoming a translator felt hopelessly out of reach. Her mom gave excuses for why she couldn't start the translator classes. And then, one day, her mom surprised her. She actually ended up doing it. Um, she's taking classes. Uh, and so that's, that's my mom. That's my mom, the mom that I remember in Mexico. The mom who, who knew what to do and how to navigate and who would fight for what she wanted, the one that wasn't afraid to put herself out there. That's my mom. 
Navarro's picked her own course of study with an eye on the uncertainty ahead. Instead of pursuing political science, she settled for a more practical choice, computer forensics. Her dad's a computer engineer back in Mexico, and she wants skills that would make her marketable on either side of the border. She reasons that she started over in a new country before, and she could do it again. She's pushing her students to get as much done as they can in the time they have. Nearly three-quarters of a million young people are in the same boat. These childhood arrivals have stepped out of the shadows and identified themselves to the U.S. government. They've come of age with college transcripts, bilingual resumes, and social media accounts. They're waiting to see what the next president and Congress will do. Our story was produced by Sasha Eslanian with help from Lila Cherneff and edited by Catherine Winter. We'd love to hear what kinds of thoughts and questions this podcast and our other work brings up for you. Contact information is at our website, apmreports.org, or write us a review on iTunes. That way, other people will find out about the podcast. We are on Facebook at APM Reports and on Twitter, where our handle is at EducatePodcast, one word. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.